morning. We're talking about the war within in Romans chapter 7. Paul helps us understand the spiritual forces that battle within us. By way of review, as I said, is what we looked at last week. Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage, the law of the husband, literally. And it says, accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Paul uses this idea of marriage to help us understand something really important about our relationship with God and what we need to believe in order to be able to be the people God wants us to be. The way he describes it, being under the authority of the law of Moses, the old covenant, in this parlance here is to be awfully wedded. That's to be under the authority of the Old Covenant, and we'll look today at why that is so. Why is life under the Old Covenant described as something like being married to a bad spouse? And that's what we'll, that's what we'll try to understand today as Paul continues to present his idea of what the forces that really that end up battling within us. To be under the authority of the New Covenant, by contrast, is to be happily married. And the reason why Jesus came is so that we could come out from under the authority of the old covenant and to come under the authority of the new. And what we're going to find is this. The war within is won or lost depending on our understanding of the covenant God operates by. If we understand correctly the covenant that God operates by, we are in a position to win the battle within. If we don't understand that, we are not in a position to win the battle within. What we talked about last time relative to why did Jesus die? Jesus died to change our relationship with the law of Moses, the old covenant, and to initiate a relationship with the new covenant. And so Jesus died to terminate our relationship with the Old Covenant. And what we'll see again today, to be in a relationship with the Old Covenant is to be awfully wedded. And then Jesus rose to initiate our relationship with the New Covenant. Paul goes on in Romans chapter 7, verse 4, and he uh, Likewise, my brother, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. Death allows us to belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Again, death frees us from living under the authority of the old covenant. It's important for us to understand how controversial this statement would have been at the time to those who Paul is writing to. Paul would have been raised to believe, as many of us 
have been raised to believe that the battle within is about good desires versus bad desires. There are moral desires and immoral desires. And the battle is between these forces. Paul would have been raised to believe there was a good impulse inside and a bad impulse. And what we he would have been taught is the way to strengthen the good impulse is to fill your head with as much of the Old Testament of the Bible as you could. And Paul became a scholar and spent his life amassing a knowledge of that. And that's what he would have taught. He would have been taught that the way to strengthen the good impulse is to put a lot of Bible in your mind, the way to, and if you don't do that, then you're going to end up strengthening the bad impulse. Um, So Paul was raised to believe that God's law is the solution. And what he's describing here is that he reveals that God's law isn't the solution, but shockingly, that God's law is the problem. And that's what he's going to say here, and he's going to end up applying it. And we've got to understand that, because God's law, is, it's not that God's law is bad. But when you put a conditional law over the head of people and say, if you obey these things, you'll be blessed. If you disobey these things, you'll be cursed. That creates problems. And that's what Paul is going to say. What he says, while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, and look what it says there. Our sinful passions. Do you see what I see? aroused by the law, were at work in our bodies to bear fruit for death. What Paul describes, sinful passions are aroused by the law, and the law here is the law of God, the old covenant. I read this once, and it's a shocking statement, but I believe it's true. The law of Moses stimulates the very behaviors it prohibits. I want you to think about what that means. Think about that for a second. The law of Moses stimulates the very behaviors it prohibits. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to have to understand why would God allow that? Why would he do something like that? And that's, that's what we're going to understand. But first, we need to understand that life under the old covenant is not, we don't, if we believe that that's the covenant that God is operating by, it doesn't put us in a position to be able to be who God wants us to be. Um, Paul has been talking about this in Romans, and in a couple places he makes this same point. Now we know that whatever the law says, and when it talks about the law here, it's talking about the law of Moses, the, the law containing the Ten Commandments, but there were a lot of other commandments attached to that as well. He says, now we know whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. What's interesting to me, what it says is that in Hebrews 4, we don't have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, Let us then approach the throne of grace and speak freely. What God wants to promote in us is our ability to come to the throne of grace and speak freely. Grace allows us to do that. It's interesting. What's the purpose of the law? Does the law help us to approach God's throne and speak freely? No. What the law does, it stops our voice. 
because we don't really have a way to defend ourselves. It says, if you lust after a person, you've already committed adultery. If you're mad at a person, you've already you've already murdered. And when we're under the authority of the law, we are you. So what do you have to say for yourself? We really have no leg to stand on. And what Jesus came to do is move us out from under that into a covenant that allows us to um, to speak freely with God. So what it says here, and the whole world accounted for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Law identifies sin. It identifies the things we do that are sinful behaviors. It identifies them, but it doesn't help us to control them. So what the law ends up doing, it shows us what we're doing wrong, but it can't help us do what's right. That's, that's what Paul comes to understand. And at the time, being a person who would have been taught God's law is the solution, for him to say God's law is the problem, that's why Paul had the life he had, and he went one place after another and was beat up. These are fighting words. Um, he also says, um, now the law came. No, that can't be. That, that's, that's a typo. I'm sorry. That can't say to increase trespass. John, what happened to that? Uh, is it, is you put the wrong slide up there. There, there, there's some, there's a, there. there must be the reverse standard version of the Bible. There's got to be, there's a problem here. That, that can't say what it's saying, can it? You know what? That's really what it says. The law came to increase trespasses. Increase in the Greek means increase. So, and again, we have to understand this. This feels, this is wrong, it, but it's what it says. The law intensifies sin. It stimulates the very behaviors it prohibits. Um, that's why he goes on, says, now we are released from the law. Do you understand why it's important to be released from the law? Because the law identifies sin. The law intensifies sin. To be under the authority of the old covenant doesn't put us in a position where we can be responsible to God. We are not response-able to God under the old covenant. That's why Jesus, he um, says, while we're living, now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. What is it that held us captive? Law. That's what it indicates. It's like a jailer. So that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. The law is what holds us captive. Jesus died so that we might be free from the old way of the written code and serve in the new way of the Spirit. So there's two ways to serve. You can serve in the old way of the written code, and you can serve in the new way of the Spirit. The old way of the written code is under the old covenant, the law of Moses. And what this indicates, you end up bearing fruit for death, or you can live under the, the, the Spirit, which is the new covenant. What Paul says in Second Corinthians, God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, 
not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills and the Spirit gives life. Here's what it's saying. The letter is associated with the Old Covenant. That's what it is, the written code. You remember it was written on tablets of stone. And when Paul talks about we serve not in the old way of the written code, that's what he's talking about. We don't serve God under the Old Covenant. We serve in the new way of the Spirit. So the old way of the written code is the Old Covenant, and the new way of the Spirit is the New Covenant. The Spirit exists to help usher us out from under the Old Covenant and under the New Covenant. This is what it means by the influence of the Spirit. What God's Spirit will want you to understand, you are not under the Old Covenant, you're under the New. And what that means, God puts His law in your mind and writes it on your heart. You're going to know Him because God's going to enable you to know Him. And He's going to forgive and be helios to your unrighteousnesses and remember your sins no more. As the Spirit gets us to think that God relates to us in that way, little by little we come out from under the old and into the new, and our behavior ends up showing it. Um, he says this then, the old covenant kills. Again, we're just making this point because this is the foundation for what Paul will say in the rest of the chapter. And we've got to be clear because this is where the battle is won and lost. The battle is not a battle of desires. It's ultimately a battle of covenants. If we think we're under the old covenant, we've lost the battle. We can't win the battle. The only way we can win the war within is come out from under the old because the old kills and to go into the new because the new gives life. Um, that's, what, that's what Paul is saying here. So um, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Um, a couple things. It's not a, it's not a hard thing to understand, but it's, it's a hard thing to believe, really. Because we were raised, I was raised believing, well, there's, you know, there's the good angel and the bad angel. There's the good dog and the bad dog. And if you feed the good angel and feed the good dog, if you go to church a lot and give money and do all the right things, you strengthen the good side, right? You heard, anybody hear that? Or some version of that? Yeah. And, and so you strengthen the good and you starve the bad. And that's what we're taught. And what Paul is saying, he would have, that's what he would have learned. Stuff like we learn. And he comes to understand, wait a minute. You know that stuff that we learned about put as much Bible in your mind as you can. It doesn't matter what, and that will help you. What Paul is saying, if you don't understand what the Bible is talking about and the covenant, it's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. That's what Paul is saying. And so he wants us to be clear. You know what he wants? He wants us to... Can I hit that next one? Yeah, thank you, John. That's good, right there. Cultivate covenant clarity. What covenant are we under? And you might say, oh, I'm not sure that's important. Can I tell you something? Understanding what covenant you're under is the most important thing you can know. There's nothing more important than this. It is the singular most important thing for us to understand because it spells the difference between being effective in dealing with the war within and being ineffective. So cultivate covenant 
clarity. And if you're going to be around here for any period of time, you're going to hear this again and again. And it won't be every week we'll go away from it, we'll come back to it, we'll go away from it and come back to it. The reason why we have to come back to it, because it's foundational. It's, it's, so cultivate covenant clarity. And um, in the New Covenant, we, we hear this, I'll just read it to you. He says, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. What the New Covenant says is that God is in you. And what he's going to do, he's going to write his law, not on tablets of stone, which are on the outside, right? He's going to write it on tablets of human hearts. You know what that says? God is within you. You know those things that you're dealing with? The behaviors, the thoughts, and attitudes that you don't want to have? What God says, I'm going to be in you to change you. And he takes the initiative to do so. He says, um, I will be their God and they will be my people. They shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know him. You know what God says? You're not only that he's in you, that he's with you, and that he'll cause you to know God. How in the world do you know that you're going to know God? You know what God wants you to believe? Because he says, because I'm going to cause you to know me. That's my new covenant. I'm going to cause you to know me, and it's not going to be up to you. It's going to be up to me. And what I want you to do, I want you to believe it. I want you to believe it that I'm in you writing my law in your mind. I am with you, and I'm going to cause you to know me. And you know those sins you're thinking about, the ones that separate you from me? At least that's what you've been taught. What he says, I will be merciful toward their iniquities. Merciful means helios, gracious, favorable, benevolent. Part of the new covenant is this. When you sin, it does not separate you from God. That's what it says. Under the old covenant, it does. Under the new covenant, it can't. And that's what he wants you to understand. So, practically, and I would encourage this, practice new covenant confession. And little by little, make this one of your prayer habits. It, it, it will take a while to do it, but it's not difficult and here's the four statements. God is still, God's still in me. God's still with me. Good is still ahead of me, guaranteed. So here's what I'd like you to do. When you're aware of doing something wrong, like betting against the Vikings or something like that, you know, something really sinful, something really, you know, when you're, or, or for the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, so that would be enough. Seriously, no. uh, when you're when you're aware of doing something wrong, like maybe watching something you shouldn't have watched, something that's not edifying, what it means to confess, it means to say what God says about you at that time. What does God say about you when you watch something you shouldn't watch, you read something you shouldn't read? What does God say about you? Well, it depends what covenant you're under. If you're under the old, you know what God says? I'll be with you if you control that, and I won't be if you won't. You know what God says in the new? I'm still in you, and I'm still with you, and good's still ahead of you, guaranteed. When you do that thing, you, you blow up at your kid or your mother or your wife. You know what God wants to tell you at that point? I'm still in you. 
and I'm still with you, and good's still ahead of you, guaranteed. You know, that thought issue you have, the anger problem you have, the lust problem you have, I don't, that, any problem that you have, but God wants you to believe, I am still in you, and I'm still with you, and good's still ahead of you, guaranteed. You know what I want you to do? I want that to become a mantra in your mind. You're still in me. You're still with me. Good's still ahead of me, guaranteed. Can you remember that? You're still in me. You're still with me. Good's still ahead of me, guaranteed. You know what ends up happening after a while? You actually start to believe it. And you know what happens long term? You find yourself becoming less harsh and judgmental with yourself. Would you agree that if the voice that lives inside of us was audible, we would be embarrassed for people to hear the voice with which we talk with in my tongue. And you know what happens long term? The voice begins to change little by little. There was a, um, I told you this, there was a counselor who was doing child therapy with this little kid playing on the, he's playing in the sand. And he, he took a glass and he, he spilt a glass of water. And he went, and then the counselor just stayed there and just was watching him. And here's what the kid did. Initially, and then he says, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And he started, you know why he was saying this to himself? Because that's what he heard. It'll be okay. And he internalized that. That's what God wants to do with you. He says to you, I'm still in you, and I'm still with you, and good's still ahead of you, guaranteed. And what he wants for you to do with that kid did to internalize it to yourself, you're still in me. You're still with me. Good's still ahead of me, guaranteed. Oh, no, I cut that person off. You're still in me, and you're still with me, and good's still ahead of me. What will happen? Won't that lead us to, to do all kinds of bad things against people? You know what the funny thing is? If you start to be gentle with yourself, guess what you can start to do? Love yourself and love others and love God. And that's ultimately what he wants. He wants you to love him and to love others and to love yourself. And that's why he wants you to practice new, I think it is, new covenant confession. You're still in me. You're still with me. But still ahead of me, guaranteed. And when you hear something that would not you go to places and churches that might tell you God's going to bless you if you obey, and he's going to curse you if you disobey. I'd like to say that having a good yes is all you need, but you need something better. You need a good no as well. And when you hear something that's not in line with the new covenant, you know what I'm going to tell you to do? <clears throat> Off by a covenant. Can you do that? Okay, you're going to be blessed if you obey and cursed if you disobey. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's practice this a little bit more. Okay, you know what your issue is? You know, the reason why you're having the problems you're having, now let me talk directly with you, that if you would pray more than you're praying and give more than you're giving, God would do more things in your life. Now, can, I'm, can you say amen with me? Okay, off by a covenant. Okay, if, okay, so, now you did, you did pretty good. And that might seem silly. I think that's what he's telling us to do. You've got to be clear about what to say yes to and clear what to say no to. And little by little, this will make more sense. Would you agree that the more you hear it over time, 
it does get a little bit easier to believe. Would you agree with me? If you haven't been here long, it might seem strange. Keep coming back. We'll continue to say this because it's the singular most important belief that you can have is that God relates to you via new covenant. And what that means, God's still in you. He's still with you. God's still ahead of you, guaranteed. Can you remember that? What's the first? You don't say it. Don't you think it? God's still in me. God's still in me no matter what I do. What's the second? God's still with me. I did that thing, but God didn't separate from me. He didn't depart from me. What's the third? Good's still ahead of me. I haven't severed my relationship with good by doing that thing. I'm, I am handcuffed to good. I am tied to good by bonds that can't break. And this is guaranteed. Gosh, I like that. God, thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for speaking it to us. It's kind of like your vows. And you would have us think about what your vows are. You're going to be in us and with us, and good's going to be ahead of us, guaranteed. You're not saying, I bless you if you obey and curse you if you disobey. That was before. It's not now. Jesus came to usher in something different for now, a new covenant spirit. Thank you for the new covenant, and thank you for sending your son to inaugurate it. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll continue to, as Paul will, he'll take this foundation and he'll apply it. And what he says about how to relate to our thoughts and feelings, it's really going to be fun. Hope you can come back.